I, I really get inspired by people and their stories and finding how we can create that into music. Because it really is, music is like a form of communication. Basically what I'm trying to do is mediate between their life and their story in a musical form so anyone can understand. Welcome to Spotlight, Casper's very first podcast season. Spotlight is an opportunity for candid conversations with industry professionals, artists, teachers and students about all things performing arts. The Casper team will chat to practitioners about their process, career highlights, future ambitions and the role of the arts in their lives. Welcome to episode four, our Spotlight on Recording. Philippe Marc Anquetil is a renowned Australian singer, songwriter, vocal arranger and producer and mixing engineer who's forged an international career working for artists such as One Direction, Little Mix and Jessie J and more locally has written and produced The Justice Crew, Alexa and Bella, The Voice Kids, Paulini and most recently Rule. Philip Mark has accrued hundreds of releases to his name and his success and experience in an ever-changing industry enables him to rank as a leading mentor and a teacher for developing talent. Philip Mark, welcome. Wow, that's a great intro. Thanks. Thanks very much. So let's just jump right into it. First of all, a very important question which has been developing in the podcasts over the past few weeks. Do you Irish dance? <laughs> well, funny you should say. No, I don't. I wish I could, though. Yes. I've got the legs for it. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> we'll move on from there. Okay, Phil, so what first got you into music? Well, I've been around music my whole life. I remember, like, early, early on, um, Mum bought a piano for the home. And my sister, she was older than me, she got to learn piano first. But the, her first lesson... I snuck in while the teacher wasn't looking and I played everything that my sister had learned that day or that, that whole week, actually. And the teacher sort of, sort of looked at me and like, I think he's ready to learn piano. So, so I was three. I've just wanted to play and be a part of music all my life. And then, then being, being part of a family that's really musical. So my whole mum's side of the family, she comes from a family of five and they were in a band. They were the Mauritius Five when they came from Mauritius off a boat, literally started a band on the boat on the way here to Australia. And they, they actually released a song with Warner here. Like when they got here, so really, really weird that I'm I'm in that industry too now. Well, not really weird actually. That there's, it's just how it is because you kind of follow through with the passion that your uncles, aunts, and mum and dad have. So I suppose it's not really that funny that I've chosen this career path. Wow. So. Who inspired you to have this career? Well, you've talked about family. Yeah, definitely, so def definitely there. family. But then, because I had a little, a sweet little voice, I I ended up being in the same year as Cathedral Choir for a, from year five to year nine, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But after being a part of the choir, it was a little bit choiry, and I was so cool. So choir was just not for me anymore. <laughs> um, but at, when I when I started at Aloysius Saint Aloysius, um, I had this great teacher. <laughs> I wonder who that teacher might be, James. All right, so I have to uh, to disclose here, I was Phil's music teacher at school, and hence that's where our relationship began and great friendship. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I was lucky enough to work with Phil when he was a student. Yeah, and the thing is, you introduced me to computer music, and I think we were one of the first schools to have such a great uh, computer music program. Yeah. And the so, and Atari. Yeah, the Atari Notator. And, and, that's, and that actually... 
the funny thing is people still ask to this day, why are you with Logic rather than Pro Tools, which are the two um, digital audio workstations? Um, and I always say that I've gone to Logic because I've been there since Notator. Because if you recall, Notator became eMagic, eMagic became Logic, and Logic is now Logic Pro. So I've, I've been one of the <laughs> like big users of that system from the very beginning because of you. So the, the whole computer music and, and the idea of being able to create soundscapes from a room, like that came from that the love from school, actually. And I remember, I remember vividly, I stopped. No, I didn't steal. I brought home a computer for the holidays, and, and I and I remember doing beats and doing stuff like um, reproducing songs that are out there with the computers that we had borrowed from school. So, so it was from then. It was from then. So, from school, what was yeah. the next part of the process? Because you were more of an artist. That's Before right. You became a writer producer. That's right. I sang. I, I, I wanted to sing. I wanted to be uh, in, in the biggest R and B supergroup in the world. That's that's that was the dream. Good to have a dream. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the moment where it it really switched for me, and I was I was at, um, doing a a gig at a club, and I was sick. But people had told me, oh, you know, there's some record industry people coming. You have to be there. You have to do it. And I was like, all right, you know, for the band, I'll do it for the band. So I got there, did the gig, and it was great. But not one person turned up to the gig, of course. When I got back to the car after the gig, because I just went straight home, my car had been broken into. I remember that was the moment I said, you know what? I love this, but I don't love it enough. But yet the writing part of it, which I was still writing for other groups at the time, for other, like, um, you know, girl groups and, and rap groups at the time, and that part of it I could do from my bedroom. Like the whole, the whole computer music thing from your room was a lot easier to deal with than, than the touring side of things. Right. Um, and, and that's just me personally, but from that moment on, it was like, all right, how do I build a studio? How do I start finding artists? How do I, you know, and that was really the start of me as a songwriter producer, which also became, uh, you know, mastering engineer, mixing engineer, which became a publisher, which became now a little bit more managing. Um, but yeah, very much behind the scenes rather than the front man. The front, and, yeah. yeah. So then you decided to leave Australia yep. and to travel to London. That's right. How did that come about? Um, so me and my producing partner at the time, Chris, who's also another St. Aloysius boy, we'd been working with the, it wasn't the voice at the time, it was Australian Idol at the time, I think. Oh, oh no, even even before that, Pop Stars. It was Pop Stars. We'd been working with a couple of the acts from Pop Stars. And we, we did, I think there was a group called uh, Bardo, of course. Um, there was a group called Scandalous. Um, Scott Kane, I remember. That was one of my first cuts back in the day. We, we were there. We were sort of like, and we could have grown our catalogue that way. But there was so much we didn't know yet. And, and I, I admitted it. There was, it. We weren't growing at the speed that I wanted us to grow. So... After two or three years actually working that scene and, you know, doing doing remixes, doing mixes, doing producing, I said to Chris, look, we need to be in a place where we can actually grow and see a, in a bigger space. So that was the decision. We just said, look, let's do it. Let's go find a place we can be, you know, a small yeah. fish in a big pond so, so we can actually learn. I, I tell you what, like that was the biggest bit of learning I've ever done in my life, like being in a place on my own. It was the first time I actually moved out of my home like like the family house so it was a big move but being on your own and being able to uh, and having to fend for yourself and actually finding the next cash job for a meal or the rent that that 
helped me grow, but also for the music side of it, because that's all I was doing. That's how I was paying rent. It meant that I had to hustle really hard to get those jobs. So London was this space where I started there as a producer, like just working with artists. And then it grew into the network I created there made my career grow into a publishing size where I was selling music all around the world. I've got huge hits around Asia. That, that's where it all started. We, we had these huge cuts in Asia and that blew up. Like we were selling loads. I, mean, I remember there was one album that we had um, written four songs on that had sold in the first week it sold 750,000 albums in the first week wow this Asian yeah. artist and they're ridiculous numbers compared to like even Britain even even Europe that's a ridiculous numbers so it just opened my eyes to see the possibilities London became like home for a good Eight years. Yeah. yeah. In the intro, I mentioned the fact that you'd worked with One Direction, Little Mix, Jesse J. So how was the process of going from this Australian boy to London? And you've started to work there now. How did you get the opportunities to work with these So that's, that's a beautiful story because when we first got there, it was all about like no one knew us. They heard a bit of music. So we were like, all right, look, we'll do some free music for you. As long as you pay for one, we'll give you two. Literally. Two for one. <laughs> two for one. Such an like, yeah, big time. <laughs> two for one. Two for the price of one. And, and, then, and then what happened? Um, we ended up meeting a guy that was um, an, in a record label, Universal, that was looking to leave and start his own publishing company. And we had so much catalogue and so many songs that we had written, and he needed that catalogue to sort of start his publishing company. So we joined forces. And so we created this um, this amazing publishing company, a boutique publishing company that selected the songs we wanted to publish. So that was that was the moment where it wasn't about like oh just putting yourself out there and just all of a sudden you find Little Mix or you find One Direction. Creating that network and creating that publishing company and then working, we were we were doing we were doing songwriting workshops um, in Sweden four times a year, and that would be. You go. They they do one here in, with APRA, but you go and you have thirty other people writing with you. You divide yourself into ten groups of three, and you write for for a week. That's all you do. And we were getting like our publishing company had organised it, so we were getting more than fifty songs in that during that week. Yeah, like written. And what happened then? Because some of these songs were absolute gems, other record labels say we want this song for our artist, and then that turns into okay, who wrote this song? You know, and then they say, oh, well, can we do a co-writing session with your guy and our guy or our girl? And so Little Mix happened in that way. It was just through a network that we created ourselves. So just building this network for, for ourselves. And, and someone said, look, you need to write with the girls. Actually, it started with Little Mix. It started as a vocal coaching job. So they needed a coach, a vocal coach, just before their first album was released to just get their harmonies correct, to get them tidy around the edges. And so I came in for that. But then, of course, me and my hustling skills, I said, well, <laughs> why do you say that? You need some songs on your album, don't you? And I, I ended up writing a few and actually mixing a few on, on that album also. It's really like it was just putting myself out there and just saying, like, yeah, I can do it. Let's, let's give it a go. But it started with the vocal coaching and then it became like, you know, singing because it's it's all part and parcel, you know. If they're comfortable with you as a vocal coach and you sort of say, well, let's do a writing session, they probably will. As opposed to like writing an email, hi, I'm Phil and I am good Australia. at stuff. I'm good at stuff. Can I write with you? <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? It, it's easier when you have that kind of reputation from the networks you build. Yeah. And I know all our listeners are going to want to say, well, how did you get in contact with um, One Direction? How yeah. was that connection made? Well, that, that was another one. Um, my 
a really great friend of mine, Ian Farquharson. He um, he was actually the vocal coach for their for them on X, X Factor. Right. It was X Factor. He was the vocal coach, and he became really close to them and really close to the whole team at Psycho. Psycho is Simon Cowell's company. So so he had written for Little Mix. That's how I got involved with Little Mix. Okay, And then they saw the job that I did with Little Mix and One Direction are on the same label. That's where the connection came in. So when they needed some, some work on, uh, I did a song called Truly Madly Deeply with them. And it actually came from a, a songwriter in America, but I did, I did the vocal production for it and, um, and then sent it to America to get it mixed over there. So, so it happened through Little Mix, through another company, and, and, and just reputation from, from being good at what you do. And I was quick, I was efficient, and they always relied on the fact that I would give them a good result, after, a good product after the session. So it, it was good. And, and when you get to that level, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for great results. They, they don't necessarily, oh, we'll give that a try, we'll give that. And that's why it's very hard to get in those circles because they get in the circles because they're really efficient and reliable and, and can do the stuff really and quickly. Hit the mark. And hit the mark. So that's why it's hard to get in the circles. But once you're in there, it's, it's, it's really hard to get out. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So from that, let's talk a little bit about your own creative process. Yeah. Um, where, how do you create a song? Where does it come from? Where, where does the um, energy, where does the idea come from? Um, this is one that like, I actually teach like, how to get inspiration. And, and the funny thing is, at different stages of my life, I use different techniques to get inspiration. So at the start, it was all about like listening to other people's music and, and seeing, oh, did you hear Timbaland or did you hear Dark Child's new track? Did you hear this track? And, and sort of trying to recreate what they had done. And that inspired our own creation. Oh, we, we can do it a little differently. But like, and, and inspired us to stay within the pop industry because you're doing music that is relevant. So music, obviously, artists and music inspire me a lot. I suppose to, to this day they do, but it's in a different way now. Nowadays, I'm inspired by the artists that come in as blank canvases. So they come in say, saying to me, look... I'm a great singer, which I, I realise very soon, <laughs> but their stories inspire me. Their, um, the way they sing inspire me. Their, um, their key lines and the, the lines that they use within their, their songwriting inspire me. So I, I really get inspired by people and their stories and finding how we can create that into music. Because it really is, music is like a form of communication. Basically what I'm trying to do is mediate between their life and their story in a musical form so anyone can understand. Because it is an international language music. You know, you have a minor chord, it's sad. You have a major chord, it's happy. <laughs> you know, there, there is certain elements of communication within music. So I find that the most inspiring, like finding those stories and, and trying to get an artist to tell that story in the best way and the most efficient way possible because mm. you've got three minutes <laughs> to tell that story and to keep someone either entertained or keep someone listening. Like these days in the swipe, swipe here, the swipe there, like um, it's really important to get someone entertained as soon as possible and keep them entertained. So that inspires me. Like finding ways to do that inspires me. It's really weird. Like I've, I've been doing music for so long now. And I mean, at uni in composition, I was doing 16th century harmony. I was doing 18th century harmony and, and stuff that I never thought I would need. But it all helps when, it, when I'm doing backing vocals for, for songs now, when I'm doing a string arrangement. It all helps. And, I, you know, at the time you think, oh, what am I going to use this for? 
you don't realise until like later down it the track. It becomes part of the toolbox that yes, we use as composers. Exactly. Or the language you use or the words that you use to tell your story. Yeah. We've you know been, what I mean? We've been lucky enough to get to collaborate as well through Casper yeah. projects and things like that. And it's interesting to see our own workflow and how we work together. And one of the things we laugh about is that everything goes on the table. You, you never block anything. That's right. And that's such an important thing for young composers to consider. Absolutely. Now, I, this is one of the first lessons to all, this, all the songwriting collaborations that I sort of mentor. And I say because the most important thing is if you are just confident enough to lay everything on the table and be open enough, that's where you really want to be because that's when the best stuff comes up. I'm sure loads of people have said when you're not thinking, that's when the, the, the magic happens. And it's because our brain actually stops a lot of it and, and sort of we filter and we, um, we, we're self-conscious about our ideas and our thoughts and, and especially you get into a collaboration and it's even worse because you're like, oh, what's the other person going to think of me if I say this? So all of a sudden, if I say lay everything out, it doesn't really matter what you say and how you say it. It could inspire the other person to say, oh, my God, that's a great idea. How can we, we make that work? And, and you might not even think that it's, a, it's an amazing idea, but because of that, that response, all of a sudden it could be a magic, magic song. Which is the great thing about collaboration. Exactly. It's something that, you know, an opportunity will arise that you never, mm. ever thought yeah. would happen. So you, we get to the stage where you've got a new song written. Yeah. What's the next part of the process that you go to get it heard by someone? Now, oh, mate, that's a how long is a piece of string yeah. sort of question. I mean, there's so many different ways, and, and it's this state of the world. Well, <laughs> well, maybe we look at the internet, the effect that the internet has had on music production. Like, there's, there's pros and cons, obviously, to course, everything. But, yeah. but for me, I see it as a massive pro because, and, and I suppose everyone considers this, especially in this day and age, it's instantaneous. Now, that is something that has changed everything about being able to listen to music and being able to, like, even share music and even collaborate you know, all of a sudden we're in a world where someone releases a song and or they could possibly even write a song and put it in the world so that everyone can hear it that day. That is how the world works now. Now, if you look at it that, from that point of view, th this is like, this is a world that everything is instant. And by having that, it also feeds into that collaboration scene where someone from across the world can be writing a melody or a beat, or a, a chord progression, send it to me over here, I write a melody over the top, or write some lyrics over the top, send it back to someone in another part of the world, they add uh, something else to it, and then in the space of a few hours, we may have a song. And these are international artists writing and recording at the same time. Now, the internet has, like, I mean, it's obvious what that, how that has helped that world. You know, more recent, obviously, also with Zoom, uh, like be becoming such an important part of everyday life. We're, we're doing, I'm doing a lot more collaborative stuff over the internet because of Zoom. I, I'm doing a session on the weekend where um, the student's in Perth and he's, he's writing over there and I'm creating the whole bed and the soundscape here in Sydney. That is a massive thing because I, I think that opens the doors to amazing opportunities. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, uh, the one that my dad has given me that has stayed very, very close, and it's short-term pain, long-term gain. That has stayed very close because it kind of gives you the idea that 
pain can last only short uh, short term, but the the rewards can be amazing if you work hard, if you hustle, if you if you do the stuff that yeah it's a bit painful, but just get through it and see the reward in the long term. Now that's a big big one. Now. That's for sort of in general life, sort of, um, yeah. you know. But the other thing for music industry, it's honesty. Like, and that, that I can say, and I, I teach my students and the, the kids I mentor all the time, honesty is one of the most important things. Because, I mean, we're being challenged by, any artist is challenged by having to compete with 40,000 songs being uploaded a day. Wow. 40,000 songs being uploaded a day. That's a ridiculous amount. So we're, like, artists have to compete with that. The only way to really compete is to be unique and have something that someone else doesn't have or saying it in a different way that someone has never said, challenging someone in, the, in a way that no one's been challenged before. The best way to do that is be completely and utterly honest with yourself and who you are and what you are. I've seen it plenty of times where, where and during the 90s, there were, there were acts that were manufactured and, and kind of less honest, like they, they were just a package deal. There is art in that, no doubt, but... I've seen more more recently that honesty in music and honesty in art really puts you in a position where it's the best place to start because then you don't have to go back and say, well, that wasn't me anyway, so I have to start again. So if you start with honesty, then going forward, you can actually start messing with that and saying, well, that's actually, you know, I thought I was being honest, but that, that actually, that kind of isn't me. But you can make those choices when you've started with honesty, yeah. you know? So that's the best bit of advice I can give. And that idea of moving forward. So what's next for you? Well, yeah, so <laughs> I've worn a lot of hats in the industry, like, like a lot of hats. So, so, I mean, you heard in the intro, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I've been able to witness and do so my next step has always been and 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 I'm, i've just recently joined with some amazing collaborators that are, and we're starting this company together but the company is solely about developing artists it's about using all of those skills that i've found over the years and helping artists that are just starting out and giving them the knowledge and, and sh- not giving them, sharing the knowledge and letting them absorb what we found out along these years. And I think, um, I think that, that's a real passion. The funny thing is it's always been a passion of mine. I, I remember talking to someone just recently from London saying, do you know what, I'm in this mentoring and artist development uh, side of my career now and I absolutely love it. I don't know why I, I feel so comfortable. And, and the guy from, from London, he was like, uh, duh, like... You were doing that while you were here within our company. Like, you, you were sort of mentoring and teaching. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was. I, you, I just didn't realise I was doing yeah. it, but I was, I was helping, I was teaching. So now I've just sunk into this developing side of my career that is just so comfortable. So, Philip Mark, thank you so much for sharing your love of music, your passion, your history and your own story. And especially thanks for being a great friend of Casper. An absolute pleasure. I love being a part of this, this team. Um, there's such passionate people involved, and I found my tribe here with Casper. So thank you for having me, and thank you for letting me have a little word to you.